Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello and welcome the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harditz, and joining me, as he will every single Tuesday throughout this lovely season, the one, the only, PFF's resident ranking expert, Nathan Yonke. Nate, great day to be great. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well, just trying to keep everything that happened in all 16 games straight in my head. There was so much with all the running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends to remember, so hopefully it'll all stick there. Absolutely. And we come to you guys right now at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Want to do the waiver pot on Tuesdays this year. Give us a chance to get the full injury rundown. Last year, you know, did this usually about 4 or 5 p.m. Eastern. And every single week, Nate, there are a handful of things that would happen between then and Tuesday morning coming to fruition. But if this is late for you guys, don't worry. We still got you covered on PFF.com. Nathan had his week one waiver wire targets go out Monday. And he'll have his week one five to waiver wire add, five to drop, and five to buy low, five to sell high as well article up on tuesdays and by week one i meant week two i'm trying here everyone so with all that in mind before we get to everything waiver wire i wanted to quickly go through the missed opportunities from last week the shishas i bark about them all the time i say the word too much but i actually compiled them this year into one handy dandy article on pff.com after getting a chance to review every single game you start watching that coach's film man and things pop up to you. you start seeing that wide receiver that was so wide open downfield that you just don't get the same view on you know when you're actually watching the broadcast so with that in mind going to quickly run through some of these from last week before we get to the waiver wire and starting off the number one sheesh of the week just in terms of a player had to be jamar chase man he had four different opportunities to score touchdowns before he finally did get one and i understand you know when you have it at the end like he makes the one-handed catch he scores later in the drive okay great performance could have been even bigger also literally first play of the dolphins game they tried to dial up tyreek for a long bomb bad snap and then the ball got tipped out of to his hand but it was a blown coverage man so Tyreek really almost had a 70 yard touchy first play of the season Travis Etienne got overthrown on a wheel route could have been a 15 yard touchdown and then later dropped a three yard touchdown not exactly what us Etienne truthers and by us I mean me because Nathan's been on the right side of history so far we're hoping to see uh, Denver Broncos wide receiver KJ Hamler last night got open from 25 yards out drew the pass interference penalty don't get fancy points for those and the ball was just out of the reach of him and albert O. also amari cooper don't be that guy that makes fun of amari cooper for only having three catches for 17 yards three separate occasions where he looked great route running got open unfortunately a mix of defensive penalties and jacoby Brissett couldn't get the ball in his hands also want to note that kareem hunt was out there had a chance for a 60-yard bomb touchdown. Jacoby Brissett sailed it. Once again, there was a penalty there. Maybe it messed up the timing a little bit. Either way, sheesh. Justin Jefferson almost had a second touchdown. His second foot was just about an inch away from being down in bounds. CeeDee Lamb, as rough as that game was, he actually had a chance later to get a deep ball. Maybe could have gone for six. Cooper Rush sailed it. Hate to see that. Brandon Cooks caught a 42-yard flea flicker, although had a potential to be a 75-yard house call with a better pass from Davis Mills. Stephon Diggs showed us just how close he was to getting the second touchdown. 
touchdown uh, early on in that Thursday night game. Garrett Wilson, awesome whip route at the goal line. Should have been a three-yard touchdown. Flacco threw the ball into the stands. Marvin Jones could have had a nice little 40-yard catch on an out and up, but Trevor Lawrence sailed it. Lawrence, not really the best performance. Also missed Zay Jones for his potential three-yard score later. Josh Palmer, I know he didn't put up the numbers, but guys, ran a nifty double move there at one point. Unfortunately, Justin Herbert. Got hit as he was targeting and wasn't able to deliver a perfect pass. Tennessee Titans rookie wide receiver Traylon Brooks got open deep late in the first quarter. The entire stadium and Mike Vrabel were freaking out about the no call, but he was open deep and Tannehill gave him a chance, just unfortunately couldn't convert. Uh, Olamide Zacchaeus broke open deep from 41 yards out, actually drew a holding penalty on Marshawn Lattimore. Mariota just couldn't quite get him, let him more into the safety than the open field. Miko Hardman scored on that one drive on the short pass, but man, he almost had a 62 yard house call earlier in that drive. Rare mistake from Patrick Mahomes overthrowing him there. Darren Waller had ample separation for a short score from the five yard line. Derek Carr proceeded to throw it 200 miles per hour behind him, so they couldn't complete that. And San Francisco 49ers wide, uh, tight end, excuse me, Tyler Croft, wide open deep for a potential 32 yard score. Trey Lance overthrew him. It was a monsoon. Chill a little bit on the Trey Lance slander. He did have some nice throws out there. We'll talk more about him later, perhaps. Also, drop touchdowns. Matt Ryan, not one, but two drop touchdowns. Alec Pierce and Ashton Doolin. Doolin won, got knocked out a little bit, but come on, man. He had it. Should have been a score. Cincinnati Bengals wide receiver. The other Mike Thomas dropped a potential go-ahead score. The play before Jamar Chase actually was supposed to send the game. It did send the game into OT. Should have won the game. Green Bay Packers wide receiver. I, I'm sorry, Nathan. That one, that one must have hurt, bro. Like all you Packers, yeah. man, a pearl from Aaron Rodgers on the first play of the season. Just would have really set the tone there. But, yeah, Watson, I, that was like, again, player to ever play in the NFL is a million times better than you and me could ever dream of. But how did he drop that? It was so well thrown. Couldn't quite get it. Also note that New York Jets running back Michael Carter at the end of this one had an easy six-yard score, bounced right off his hands to the turf. Denver Broncos tight end Eric Saubert nearly had a 16-yard touchdown. Couldn't quite haul in the nice throw from Russell Wilson, though. I wouldn't quite say drop, but it was, you know, a diving opportunity. It was in the hands, and then it was out. Just a few more, everyone. Elijah Moore did catch a 12-yard touchdown, got rightfully called for offensive pass interference, though, so it got nullified. Jalen Hurts almost had a second rushing touchdown, taken down just short of the goal line. Christian Kirk dove into the end zone. Only problem was he stepped out of bounds in the three-yard lines first. A.J. Dillon almost had a second touchdown, but got stuffed at the goal line by Harrison Smith. Got another chance, couldn't quite squeeze it in. Uh, Lovey Smith punted on fourth and three from midfield with 26 seconds left in overtime. Not really a sheesh. Still pretty fucked up, in my opinion, so I felt like I had to mention it. Also, would note that Albert O did have an opportunity to score. Got stuffed just at the half yard line, and then Russell Wilson and Javante. I, Nathan, did you blame mm. that fumble? I, it seemed like a, just a muffed kind of exchange to me. I didn't think it was like exactly a Javante fumble. Oh uh, yeah, like he definitely had his hands on it, but being um, the offensive lineman right there right away, he was more worried about that. So I can understand him losing his focus for a second, trying to figure out how to score there with a defender right there in a space way earlier than he should have expected. Either way, sheesh. And it's going to be the biggest one of the – also, Eric Tomlinson. My God, the amount of Broncos that almost scored last night was wild. Like, I had – I thought I had this article mostly done before Monday mm-hmm. Night Football, and I'm just sending uh, my lovely editor, John Owing, you know, one edit after another throughout the game. But, yes, Eric Tomlinson actually uh, caught a bullet in, in the corner of the end zone, but was not a score, as you could probably guess by now. Second foot was out of bounds. But, Nathan, to me, the single sheeshiest play of the week was Christian McCaffrey picking up a fumbled snap from Baker Mayfield, running for 28 yards, and in the vast majority – fantasy leagues not getting rewarded with fantasy points because those are fumble recovery yards not rushing yards so that sucks i'm outraged but it is what it is so that's your week one sheesh report everyone just beyond the box score things trying to help you guys you know both not 
give up on fantasy players because maybe they actually were that close to having something happen. Maybe just be a little smarter in everyday conversation. I just there's there's nothing that scares me more like talking about this sport, you know, every single day than just making the mistake of like, oh, Mari Cooper trashed last week when if you actually watch the games, you'll know that was not the case. So with that, week one officially in the rearview mirror. Let's get into week two, Nathan. So first of all, everyone going to go through basically all the waiver wire guys that are being discussed, but focusing first and foremost on our targets. So Nathan, it seems like this week, man, all signs are pointing towards the streamer of the week and quarterback land Carson Wentz versus Lions. Uh, yeah, I really liked what I saw out of him and the offense in general in week one. So basically my thought looking at that game was, okay, we've seen some of these guys do it before. They did it week one hopefully they can start doing it again. So someone like Wentz, uh, definitely like the matchup this week against the Lions, but someone who I wouldn't mind putting him on my bench for a while and just seeing how he does. And if he keeps doing well, then maybe start him in more games later. Last week, top three highest scoring quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Carson Wentz, just like we all expected to happen. That was actually Carson Wentz's first four passing touchdown games since he injured his knee in the first place back in 2017. So can't Carson Wentz be like a feel-good story? I feel like, you know, he had the game. We're all just ignoring it. And I, I've watched Carson Wentz. I, I fully understand that uh, we could have the downfall coming soon. But at least in this matchup against the Lions defense, allowed the second most EPA per play last week. You know, and I think, it's one week. I get it that you can easily chalk that up to maybe the Eagles offense more so than the Lions defense. Still a group, though. Bottom eight secondary, bottom eight defensive line graded by PFF going into the season. Not afraid of this matchup. And yeah, if even if you don't really trust Carson Wentz, you should have seen enough to really trust Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, and Curtis Samuel. And luckily, that's what we're getting with Carson Wentz right now. Nathan, beyond Wentz, though, if people are looking to scramble, you know, got to fill that Dak Prescott hole now in the starting lineup. Justin Fields versus the Packers and Jameis Winston versus the Bucks. Two other quarterbacks that you think are viable candidates on the waiver wire oh uh, yeah fields mostly from everything that we've said this offseason about his rushing ability uh, obviously week one the weather definitely played a factor so he didn't have the greatest game so it's more um just keeping him because of his rushing ability and the packers pass rush will make fields run plenty and then winston we do have a revenge game there but the saints look good with their wide receivers in that first game so i think winston can put up numbers both against the bucks and in general this season though Need to be passing the ball a ton against Tampa Bay, so lots of volume to be had there. You had me at revenge game. Yeah, watching Jameis, man, push that ball downfield. I know we'll talk about Jarvis Landry uh, a little bit more, but really was a tale of two halves uh, between those guys. So in, in regards to fields, like it was such just like like backyard football out there, man. Mm. The throwback touchdown he had to Pettis, you know, Montgomery had a nice play where fields was like about to get sacked and he just kind of like underhanded the ball off. Like Nathan, this did come in a game where, as you mentioned, that Justin Fields was missing two of his potential top three wide receivers. I mean, it's going to be something if Fields manages to lead this Bears offense to even average, man, because, again, you just look at the pieces around him. So I want to be clear, Bears fans, I hear you. Awesome week one. I'm not slandering the Bears. I'm slandering the position that all these Bears players were put in because you cannot look me in the eye and tell me that this front office has any plans to win this year. All the credit in the world to Fields for at least pulling one out to start the season. So Carson Wentz, Justin Fields, Jameis Winston, those are going to be our top three quarterbacks. And Nathan, was it a 50% cutoff in terms of just availability? Um, it was 60%. So um, all these guys were under 50%. Okay. And Wentz, definitely the most available of the three that we talked about. Awesome. And are you at all interested in Cooper Rush filling in for Dak Prescott? He was good last year against the Vikings, but as we saw, even before the Dak injury, this is a very look, different looking Cowboys offense than what we saw last year. 
Yeah, the offensive line has fallen apart. So many injuries on the line, plus the guys that left in free agency, all the wide receivers that are currently injured. So um, obviously, if you're in a super flex league, then all quarterbacks who are starting should probably be on a roster. But in single quarterback leagues, I'm probably not touching him. Shout out ZT in the comments. Hey, guys, drop whatever waiver questions, whatever you got throughout the show in the comments, going live with these throughout the year. Here to help you. The PFF Fantasy Football Podcast is for the people, of course. But ZT bringing us right into the running back discussion of Jeff Wilson being a viable replacement for Elijah Mitchell. Nate, I'm not a big victory lap guy because I know how many damn times I have been wrong, how many times I'm going to be wrong. Let's just, you know, watch the film and get better, move on to next week anyway. RB article, I said streamer of next week was going to be Jeff Wilson. Now, that was because I thought that based on the preseason usage that we would see for sure that Jeff Wilson was the 49ers RB2. I was not predicting that Elijah Mitchell would suffer a brand new injury and now be out of action. But with that said, he did. It's not looking good for him to be back potentially anytime soon. This was a game last week where Tyrion Davis-Price was inactive, so we could expect him to come. But even with their uh, uh, even with their undrafted rookie also active in that game, Jeff Wilson, man, taking all of the offensive snaps for the 49ers. It's a little bit unique in terms of having to deal with Debo Samuel also getting some run. But with Jeff Wilson, Nate, do you consider him just a viable replacement for Elijah Mitchell? And how differently, I guess, would you rank Mitchell if he was healthy versus where you're going to rank Wilson this week? Um, I'm probably going to rank them right around the same. I think Mitchell's the better runner, but um, Wilson played the third down role a lot of the time in the game, and I think I'll continue to see um, maybe not every third down snap, but a significant number of snaps, which is something that Mitchell wouldn't do. So um, if you're picking him up, you're probably not getting a top 10 fantasy football running back with what you were saying with Debo Samuel, Trey Lance running the ball a lot too. So he's probably not going to see 20 carries anytime soon, but he's going to probably see double-digit carries, see a couple of targets. And that'll be enough to make him a fantasy starter in most leagues. Literally week two, and we already got to deal with all this Kyle Shanahan bullshit going on, man. Did not take very long in this year. I know we didn't see Wilson in 2021 because he was coming back from that really bad injury. I mean, he was on IR, I think, until week eight or nine. And even once he was out there, the the Shanahan just showed a didn't show much of a willingness to get him out there on the field down the stretch of 2020 though nate with shanahan still calling the plays and running the offense we really did see wilson emerge as almost like a league winning level asset and to your point he has seemed to have more of that three down role that mitchell usually hasn't quite been able to get during his start so jeff wilson only owned in 3.5 percent of these leagues in terms of fab amount nate Again, considering Mitchell's injury, do you have thoughts here on this? You know, 30, 40%. We're not completely blowing the bank here. Yeah, not blowing the bank because I don't think he has that high enough upside as some of these other running backs who are backups who, if the starter goes down, you'll definitely want to get. So not blowing it there. But um, probably I'd be fine uh, 20% if you are in need of a running back. If you are solid at running back, then I probably wouldn't do that much for him, though. Latest update from Elijah Mitchell is him being, in fact, put on injured reserve with that knee injury. So expected to miss eight weeks. Go get Jeff Wilson. And that's that I mentioned before, guys. RB1 finish, RB5 finish, RB7 finish, and RB10 finish back in 2020. Four separate weeks as a top 10 running back in a 49ers offense that, you know, for three of those didn't have Jimmy Garoppolo. I think even maybe four of those games. So Jeff Wilson, we still got Trey Lance. We still got Debo, but don't be afraid to trust in Jeff. Really, though, Nate, and I, I know, I appreciate you, ZT. I was bringing up Jeff Wilson because he was the guy, but the number one waiver wire ad at running back this week, it's got to be Daryl Henderson. Fun, fun Sunday. I enjoyed the Geno Smith experience on Monday night. Let's not forget, though, the sadness that had to, you know, sadly go to every single Cam Akers fantasy manager out there on Thursday night. Now, 
we aren't completely convinced that this is going to just be the Daryl Henderson show each and every week. I do think it could be more so of a committee moving forward, but either way, Nate, it's impossible to call Daryl Henderson anything other than Sean McVay's lead back at this moment in time. Oh yeah. He was definitely the lead back. He's someone that like each year he's had an excellent start to the year and then injuries take their toll sometime in the season and Henderson isn't able to recover. So like you said, I don't trust Henderson to be the lead guy for the entire season, but definitely trust him in the short term. Um, it sounded like they aren't happy with Akers for whatever reason. So even if Akers starts to rebuild that trust, it's going to take some time before it becomes a full-blown committee again or back to Akers. So if you have Akers, keep him on your roster, but I would definitely be comfortable starting Henderson this week and probably continue to be comfortable starting him until we see something different. Nate is the grinder in the industry when it comes to getting, you know, just all the snaps and the usage stuff out ASAP Rocky. Like, guys, if you see any snap stats, whatever, out on Sunday night or Monday morning about usage, it's coming from PFF. But Nate is the one that's actually putting it out there first and foremost. And Nate, I love your new running back usage chart. So Nate actually divides everything up into all plays, early downs, goal lines, short yardage, third downs and two minute drill. And those are basically the six kind of pieces of running back usage. And in week one, I'm looking at Nate's chart right now that you can find on PFF. Com. Total plays, Daryl Henderson, 55, Cam Akers, 12. Early downs, Henderson, 27, Cam Akers, 6. Goal line, Henderson had the only snap. Short yardage, Henderson had the only two snaps. Third downs, Henderson, 8, Cam Akers, 1. Two-minute drill, Henderson, 17, Cam Akers, 5. This was a complete takeover. It's what we were kind of thinking could go Akers' way, and maybe Henderson could make this a committee of sorts, but be the 1B. Absolutely shocking out there. And, you know, Nate, it's just – it's tough to really point it to an injury because Cam Akers was even listening on the injury report going into week one, not cutting, not cutting acres just yet though. Let's give this another week or two. Oh uh, yeah. And if you read my steeper running back article before the season, you'll see that Henderson has outperformed acres in the past and had a chance of taking over without an injury. So yeah. I'm not uh, to myself on the back too, aren't there? Absolutely. It's all good, Nate. When you say it, you know, let the let the whole world know you said it. So uh, next up, Damian Williams with the Falcons. So this one, a little bit of a grain of salt here. He did have the rib injury. PFF injury expert Mario Mario Pilato doesn't expect him to miss significant time. Maybe he's back this week. Maybe he's not. Keep an eye on those injury reports and keep an eye. Actually, you don't even have to keep an eye on them. You can just listen to this podcast again on Friday. Myself and Nick Bodifer, we go through every single fantasy relevant injury, get you guys on the right track. It was really happy last week for us to get everyone off of Mike Davis. As we got new information when the week goes on. Wild how that happens, Nate. Get new information, adjust our opinions accordingly. But with Damian Williams, you note that he actually played on seven of the Falcons' first 10 snaps, seeing more snaps than Cordero Patterson on first downs, second downs, and third downs alike. Now, careful, Nate. You're talking to the president of the Cordero Patterson fan club here. We're only talking about a 10-snap sample. But regardless, like even assuming Cordero Patterson is still going to be the lead back here. We've known from the beginning that this is not a season where the Falcons are looking to give Patterson like four, three, 400 touches last year, Mike Davis, as bad as he was like, he, I think finished with like 196 combined carries and targets. So there's always been a big chunk of this pie available. Even assuming Cordero Patterson is still going to get his, we thought it was going to be Tyler Algier. He was a healthy scratch. We thought maybe it could be Quadri Olsen. I don't even think he's on the team anymore. He definitely wasn't on the field in week one. I'm trying here, everybody. Nate, just from that perspective, Damian Williams, he was being set up to be the lead early down back from the small sample size that we saw in week one. Yeah, the Falcons are a team that uh, have no problem rotating their running backs in and out, but Damian Williams did look like he would be the primary rushing back and Patterson more the receiving back. And that's what it looked like at the start of the game. And then obviously everything changed after the fi first five minutes. So 
Um, I think Williams will definitely can probably see double digit carries as long as he's healthy enough for week two and going forward. Um, it's hard to know exactly how the split would have been. It could have been Patterson was going to see plenty of time on drive two, regardless of an injury or not. But that's something where I think Williams will see 50% of the snaps, maybe a little more than 50% of the snaps. And anyone who's like that is probably someone who should be on rosters. And with Atlanta, we really have no idea what's going to happen throughout the preseason. They were using five different running backs in the first quarter with the starters. So they don't seem to quite know exactly what they want to be doing either. So with all of the variability there, it might as well have a back that could be a clear lead back there, or he could be a backup in Patterson could still be fine. And this is a big tier drop off guys. Henderson for sure. Number one ad Jeff Wilson, number two, but Hey, I'm in some of these 14 team leagues where we got three flexes and my God, at some point you're just like, can someone give me 10 combined carries and targets per week? I think Damian has potential for more than that. Don't be afraid to get him there as just a bench spot. Cause Hey, if something happens to Cordero Patterson too, Damian Williams would be on the top of this list. Probably, you know, now all of a sudden being projected to be the Falcons lead back. Someone that you could argue is probably a little bit higher than Damian Williams is one Rex Burkhead. You know, I'll, I'll pat your own back for you here, Nathan, because you actually to Dwayne McFarlane and I's disbelief. We're talking about, you know, what Rex could potentially bring to the table. You're right. We were wrong. You're smart. We're stupid. Yada, 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 yada. Okay. With that, you know, apology aside here, Rex Burkhead, I tweeted this last night. If Damian Pierce had Rex Burkhead's week one usage, we would probably be calling him an RB1 right now. That's how freaking wild it was to see Rex get this. Lovey Smith, all every national reporter out there called Damian Pierce a starter. And yeah, he played the first snap, but that was about it, Nathan. Again, going back to your handy dandy charts here, total plays, Rex Burkhead 50, Damian Pierce 20. Early downs, early downs, Rex Burkhead 27, Damian Pierce 17. That was the one spot we were good. Reminder, the Texans were up in this game 20 to three. This should have been ideal, best case in the world game script for Damian Pierce that we only get like once or twice during the year. Wasn't meant to be. Short yardage, okay. Pierce got three, Burkhead got two. That hardly seems like a stranglehold though. Most importantly, third downs, all eight snaps for Burkhead and two minute drill, all 13 snaps for Rex Burkhead. At this point, I mean, at this point, Nathan, sorry, it's going to happen to me a few times this season, everyone. Uh, at this point, Rex Burkhead needs to be ranked ahead of Damian Pierce just for the time being because he's playing literally two, three times ahead of him. How far up are you going to move Rex, though, in the total ranks, Nathan? Are we looking at a legit, like, low-end RB2 right now? Um, Yeah, he's probably right around that borderline, and it's a case where he's probably going to stay there since even if Damian Pierce gets more of that early down work, the Texans won't be winning as much as they were in this game, which means more passing, which means Burkhead will be the one on the field in those situations. So um, it's hard to really imagine him ever being like a top 15 running back because of the talent of the offense, the talent of Burkhead. Burkhead's a fine receiving back, but not too much more than that. So he's someone that's good to have on your roster because bye weeks are going to hit, injuries are going to hit. Sometimes you're just going to need a guy to put in your starting lineup and he can get you enough points to not lose a game but he's also not going to be the one that helps you win your week either. 32 years of age. It's all all going right for Rex Burkhead. Why the hell not? Don't be afraid to, again, get him in that flex. Tear down from Henderson and Wilson, but someone that, at least in the near term, I think could give us this value. I don't expect this to be the split for the entirety of the season, but at least for now, guys, it's looking like all we got. At a minimum, just the fact that this Houston Texans backfield is only two running backs. We didn't have Dari, you know, Royce Freeman, I think, got cut again from the practice squad. Tough to keep track with some of these guys, you know, coming on and off, but really is looking good 
good for Burkhead. We're not panic cut cutting Damian Pierce, but no, you can't start him uh, this week while the sewer usage is going on. Another one, Nate, that depending on what happens, you know, with the Najee Harris situation, he could be rising up this, but Jalen Warren owned in just 1.4% of leagues right now. Najee Harris came out with the foot and said, hey, I'm going to play this week. And then Mike Tomlin came out and said, Najee's an optimist. You know, boy, would it be great to be young again. Got to love that one from uh, Tomlin, uh, basically saying that, you know, they'll see what happens. Certainly didn't look good out there. And yeah, we got the report saying that, you know, it wasn't an issue. But I sure feel a lot better about this, Nate, if we didn't already know that Najee was dealing with the foot issue throughout the preseason. So overall thoughts on Jalen Warren. And no, we're not going to just cross Najee's name out and put Jalen there. But hey, man. 20 touches for just about anybody. Like he's going to be on this map and Jalen Warren is on the map because of that. Yeah. Like I'm in plenty of leagues where anyone who is a clear backup running back ship is on a roster. And throughout the preseason, we weren't exactly sure who the Steelers backup was going to be, but Warren was definitely clearly the number two back in this game. He was the only other one to see playing time. All of the snaps in overtime um, once Harris was out. So from that perspective alone, he should be on rosters and a number of leagues. But then when you take into account the injury, and this is something that um, based on um, our injury expert, Mario, he's someone who could continue to deal with an injury throughout the season. It could be a lingering issue. So um, just for the fact that there's a chance that Warren could be the guy in some games throughout the season, that definitely helps his value throughout the year as well. Three more quick hitters that we're not against, but maybe people that we're not necessarily also expecting to slide into a starting lineup in the same way of a Henderson, Wilson, maybe even a Warren, depending on the Najee Harris information. But Khalil Herbert owned in 25.5% of leagues. Kenneth Gamewell, 29.1%, and Jamal Williams, 35.9%. What like what was kind of just, you, you don't have to talk about all three of them necessarily, Nathan, because I think Herbert's usage was pretty much what we thought, and he performed better than David Montgomery. So maybe he can take over down the road, still apply viable handcuff option jamal williams similar thing like we saw him get those goal line carries and that's why we've been hyping him up uh throughout the offseason kenneth gamewell seemed to be the guy where you know based on what we were expecting his usage was a little bit better uh yeah since we were a little bit concerned about boston scott in one of the preseason games scott was the first guy that came in and took an entire drive to himself before gamewell saw any snaps so there was a little bit of concern there but gamewell was clearly the number two guy um, Miles Sanders isn't the best running back in the world, so ideally Gainwell can earn more playing time as the season goes on. And similar thing with Herbert, just ideally he starts playing a little bit more, and with all three of these guys, they're very clear handcuffs where if the top guy goes down, they would definitely be uh, weekly starters. And Jamal Williams could have hand, or could have borderline number two value if Detroit continues to use both of these guys significantly and make them the top two priorities basically in the offense. Jamal Williams this year's James Conner, everyone. It's happening. I'm speaking into existence. We'll see what week two has in store. But yes, with Gamewell, seven of the backfield's eight two-minute drill uh, snaps, six of the team's 10 third down snaps. Situation where if we do see the Eagles in more of a shootout or, God forbid, they fall behind in a game, could mean a lot more Kenneth Gamewell in a hurry. So this offense was throwing the ball a lot more than anticipated. That's what happens when you get, you know, AJB out there as the wide receiver one. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco, Kenyon Drake, Dontrell Hilliard, 
not really chasing any of this, uh, Nate. Now, the Dontrell Hilliard thing, he is a viable handcuff to Derrick Henry, but even then, it's more so, I think, in like his best case scenario would be like kind of Naeem Hines' role that we're hoping for, where he'd be catching hopefully five balls a week and maybe getting 10 to 12 carries. I still think Hassan Haskins would probably be stealing a lot of the early down work. It's what happened to Hilliard last year, splitting stuff with Deontay Foreman. So, in terms of standalone value, though, Pacheco, Kenyon Drake, Dontrell Hilliard, we're not interested. Uh, yeah, just maybe Drake Forrest specifically this week if J.K. Dobbins isn't back, but besides that, no. All right, everyone, just to quickly recap that running back room. Number one out of the week, go get Daryl Henderson. Number two, Jeff Wilson with Elijah Mitchell out of the picture. You said Jalen Warren, number three, Nate? Over um, I think I moved up Williams to number three. I rearranged the article a little bit yesterday once we started getting more of the injury news out. I'm going to teardrop off. Nate has Damian Williams number three. I'd probably go Jalen Warren. It's close. It's just one of those things that we'll see. Rex Burkhead firmly in that mix as well. Khalil Herbert, Kenneth Gamow, Jamal Williams, also not bad guys to have out there. We are chilling on Isaiah Pacheco, Kenyon Drake, and Dontrell Hilliard. Before we get going, the wide receiver, just answering a few of you lovely listeners' questions. All right, let's not get a ton of start sits, guys, but I'll do one or two. David Montgomery or Cordero Patterson. If there's no Damian Williams, Nate, I feel like then we could probably trust uh, CPAT. If there is, though, David Montgomery probably still should get the nod. Like, David Montgomery, I feel like, has the workload that hopefully CPAT gets every week. Yeah, David Montgomery, and I don't even remember who they're playing week two at this point, but David Montgomery in general. It's Tuesday. We'll get there by Wednesday. Don't yeah. worry. Uh, Jeff Wilson, reliable replacement for Elijah Mitchell. Absolutely. That's what the workload we're expecting. As Nate said, you know, it's a situation where we're really probably not going to be ranking them all that different in terms of if Mitchell was healthy and now with Mitchell out, how we feel about um, Wilson. Curtis Samuel, Jarvis Landry, or Robbie Anderson. That's a freaking tough one. I'll I mean, we'll get there shortly. Yeah, stay tuned. Uh, Eric Hill wondering if he should sell Hunt high. I don't know, man. He's just a consistent low-end RB2. The guy's a great player. The Browns need him to be great. Ernest Johnson was a healthy scratch in week one, so they really are moving forward with just Chubb, just Hunt. I've said from the beginning, I think Hunt has more handcuff value if Chubb goes down than Chubb does if Hunt goes down because they have shown that they're not going to give Chubb the pass-down rolls. Like, you tell me if Chubb gets hurt, they're going to take Hunt off the field on pass downs all of a sudden for Deionis Johnson. Doesn't make sense to me. It's possible. We can't always assume rational coaching. But, no, I think we're thrilled with Kareem Hunt. He's someone that you can consistently flex in pretty much any single league. And, again, truly has what the kids would call league-winning upside, just one injury away. Any Packers receivers worth a stash? More on that in just a minute. Are we dropping Isaiah McKenzie? No, he's still a starting slot receiver in the Bills offense. I understand, you know, we didn't have as big of an advantage over Jameson Crowder as maybe we were expecting. But once again, him and Crowder, like, they're guys that you don't feel like you don't want to kill yourself necessarily if you're in a 12-team, 14-team league and they're in the flex. And they are just one injury away to anybody in that offense from being much higher in the weekly ranks. Uh yeah, please don't panic drop CD Lamb. I hope that's a joke. Come on, guys. Like, I, yeah, I'm not going to be ranking him in the top six next week, but I'm also yeah, not ranking targets. Yeah, come on, guys. Uh, Robbie Anderson, reliable or simply big play dependent? More on that in just a second. And yeah, everyone, again, appreciate all you YouTubers, and we will be live each and every year. So keep the questions flowing. But let's get now over to the wide receiver room. Number one, Nate, at least, you know, guy in the already owned the most amount of leagues is going to be Jarvis Landry at 58.2%. Interesting uses out of him. Someone that going back to the Miami days, I mean, that after target depth used to be, you know, running back-esque at times. Downfield, though, basically won the game for the Saints with that, you know, contested catch there at the end, just getting hyped. 
perennial beater of ADP. Where do you anticipate kind of ranking Jarvis week to week moving forward? We did see Michael Thomas's snaps limited a little bit. Olave, I think Olave will be more involved in future weeks, but at a minimum, Landry sure looks like he's ingrained in three wide receiver sets with Jameis Winston. And as we've seen, Jameis knows a thing or two about enabling some fancy relevant wide receivers. Uh, yeah, the Saints are a team that like you'll see them rotate three or four guys out on a bunch of plays. But whenever it was a pass play, it was very clear who the five guys on the field were consistently. So even though we expect some of these other Saints wide receivers to maybe see more targets as the season goes on, uh, I don't see Landry's snaps disappearing or routes run disappearing at all. So I think he'll definitely be on the field all the time when they're running pass plays. So that's definitely a big plus for him. Uh, he just has a long history of seeing a ton of targets, making a ton of catches, Maybe not a ton of huge plays, but um, especially in PPR leagues, that just points after points after points. So I can see him continuing to do that. Maybe a little matchup dependent, so maybe not happy starting him every single week, but definitely someone that happy to put him on my roster and depending on the matchup, putting him in my starting lineup. Jarvis, still 29 years young at the moment. Hey, it's okay for some of these elderly players to put up some numbers. Saints just so happen to have two of them on wide receiver right now. Again, what a performance from one Michael Thomas. Jahan Dotson, available in 56.7% of leagues. Curtis Samuel, big day. Terry McLaurin caught a touchdown and also looked, you know, shifty as hell on his other catch. But Jahan Dotson, two touchdowns. Route running looked on point. And Nate, really all offseason, the Jahan Dotson conversation has come down to just, he's a first-round pick. Why the top 16 pick? Why was a top 16 pick going just rounds after the other guys? Seems like it was Carson Wentz slander, but as we saw, Carson can actually put up some decent numbers. Overall thoughts on Jahan Dotson and just how ready is he to be an every down starter? I'm definitely excited for him. He's someone where um, when the when Washington picked him, I thought they'd just put him in the slot and leave him there, which isn't always the greatest spot for a fantasy wide receiver. But week one of the preseason, he was the starter already. Washington used all their starters and he was ahead of everyone else. He was on the outside. So from that point, I was pretty excited to see what he could do. Obviously thought there'd be some limitations to the offense, but they looked good ones. So um, he might not see enough targets every single week, but definitely excited to add him on my roster, maybe not put him in the starting lineup, but like plenty of these other rookie wide receivers, just have him on the roster and see what he does. And maybe by week three, four or five, he becomes a consistent starter for you couple more wide receivers you can feel good about this week. Jacoby Myers available in 68.9% of leagues, as Nate mentions in his lovely week one waiver wire targets article. Ran a route on 31 of the Patriots, 33 pass plays, and was one of Nate's aforementioned sleepers alongside Daryl Henderson. Gotta love when those things come to fruition as early as week one. So good news with Myers. He came into the game questionable with that knee injury. Was not a factor. With the Patriots, we never know. They list half their freaking team as questionable every single week. But Jacoby did get banged up in the preseason. So with him, it seemed like it could be possible. I, I saw Mac Jones. I saw the offense. You know, I don't think we're going to be lining up to start Jacoby Myers. With that said, if they can get back to looking like the team that ranked sixth in scoring last year, Jacoby Myers in an offense where they added Parker, you know, they drafted Thornton, who I know was hurt, but there was some uncertainty about who was going to be a number one wide receiver in New England. It sure looks like that guy is Jacoby Myers right now. Also, I have Josh Palmer for the Chargers. If you guys missed, you know, all my sheeshes to start the show, I brought up how, yes, Palmer didn't have a big game. You know, Justin Herbert just. 
going all socialist and all of us and only no one had more than four targets on the entire chargers offense like it was just crazy that's why no one uh truly boomed in that one but palmer man man this nasty just double move on the outside beat his man bad herbert saw it he went to throw he got hit when he threw so it wasn't a touchdown but we did see last season two starts you know without keenan allen or mike williams Josh Palmer was the one that really got elevated up into, uh, you know, two wide receiver sets and just being the top guy. And Nate, as we saw last week, Josh Palmer, even if this injury didn't happen, he'd probably be pretty high on this list because he really relegated Jalen Guyton to the true number four wide receiver in the past. They've largely just rotated. Uh, Yeah, it was clear before the Allen injury, he was the clear number three. And then once Allen got hurt and it does sound like he's not going to play, they're playing Thursday night football. So a short week there. And they don't want to get Allen re-injured. So once that happened, Palmer started playing every single snap in two wide receiver sets as well. So definitely a clear starter, not exactly seeing Keenan Allen's exact role, but in every down wide receiver in one of the best offenses in the league. So definitely worth having him on your roster. Julio Jones still somehow available in 43% of leagues. Chris Godwin expecting to miss some time with a hamstring injury now. Russell Gage did play, was listed as questionable with Godwin now. The picture, though, Julio should be in three wide receiver sets. And even when Godwin was playing early, man, it just looked like they really had a plan for Julio, getting him the rush attempts, you know, throwing to him deep downfield. Had the Rappaport tweet, you know, the next day, just showing that the on-field speed was actually faster than anything he had posted uh, in quite some time. So he looked apart as well. Like any of you that watched that some night game julio looked like julio and it was great to see out of these five six guys i think we mentioned we'll throw robbie anderson in there you know we're talking about him too throw curtis samuel in there nate so out of these seven guys now jarvis landry Jahan dotson robbie anderson josh palmer julio jones jacoby myers and curtis samuel do you think julio should be the top ad out of this group at least in the near term um i probably still have landry a little ahead of him just because tampa bay does like to rotate people and I expect Tampa Bay to still be winning plenty of games, so plenty of running late in games, not quite as much volume where I think Landry will be a better volume play. Landry, we can feel comfortable about for the entire season. If Godwin's back in week four, Julio's going to be back to being a bit of a question mark. So near term, might have Julio ranked as the highest guy, but still have Jarvis probably more in the long term. But guys, those are mainly the seven wide receivers you should be feeling great about this week. Jarvis Landry, Julio Jones, Jahan Dotson, Josh Palmer, Robbie Anderson, Jacoby Myers, and Curtis Samuel. There are a bunch of other guys, Nate, that, okay, I've, I've seen enough of these rosters. I understand that there are leagues, you know, for pretty much every single player out there. But when we're talking about guys like Kyle Phillips, Christian Watson, dropping that freaking pearl from Rogers, Romeo Dobbs, Sterling Shepard, Zay Jones, DJ Chark, Juwan Jennings, Devin Duvernay, Corey Davis, Dodman Peoples-Jones, Noah Brown, and Greg Dorch. Any of those guys, Nate, that you're going out of your way for, or do you think we have the top seven pretty well set? Um, I think the first three are good, especially since a lot of the guys that we've talked about already, um, they're available in plenty of leagues, but I know a lot of our listeners are in leagues that are a little bit deeper, um, longer benches, more teams in the league, so harder to find some of these waiver wire targets where those three, um, especially Kyle Phillips and Christian Watson, probably a little bit more available, and the rookie wide receivers who saw a lot of playing time in week one, so um, those guys always good to take a risk on and just see what happens. 
That's a good point. I mean, as much as we mocked the whole, like, Justin Jefferson was listed as the wide receiver three, he really was being used that way until, like, week three of his rookie season. And then he went nuclear, and he was gritting all over the place. And now he's just Justin Jefferson, Kyle Phillips, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, deeper dart throws out there for you. Not going to be chasing the Sterling Shepard, Zay Jones, Chark, Juwan Jennings, Devin Duvernay, Corey Davis, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Noah Brown, and Greg Dorch for a variety of reasons that, again, you can go find in Nate's wonderful waiver wire article so quickly at wide receiver Jarvis Landry our top ad of the week because he just looks like he has the potential to consistently be in that wide receiver three conversation for the rest of the season Julio Jones right now is looking great just realize once Chris Godwin is back this could still be a situation where his routes aren't exactly quite as high as we want Jahan Dotson would you say Dotson or Josh Palmer Nate and, and Robbie Anderson like out of those three who do you kind of favor um, I prefer probably Dotson if you're willing to just take a chance on someone and leave them on your bench for a while. If you need a starter, specifically this week, it's Palmer. Yep. If you need a starter more long-term, probably Anderson, since he'll continue to see targets throughout the season. So, yeah, Julio and Palmer very much more so this week, like we're higher on them. Longer term, we still have a few more questions. Robbie Anderson, Jahan Dotson, Jacoby Myers, and Curtis Samuel, also viable ads off the waiver wire. So, Getting just to a few more questions before we get on some quick tight end chatter. What are we doing with New England? He has you have uh Ramondre Stevenson. I'm sorry, Fuel. That sucks, man. It we didn't talk about this. I talked about it on the Sunday night pod with Dwayne, but yeah, Nate, it's a three running back committee. Ramondre Stevenson played a third amount of snaps. He had he was a third, third most productive pass catcher in New England. So I wouldn't cut him. I would not feel good about starting him right now. I'll be answering the majority of start sick questions with the other guy. If it is close at all, uh, drop Robert Woods for Daryl Henderson. I would, you in agreement with that, Nathan? Oh uh, yeah. depends on your roster, of course, but if you need a running back, Henderson's definitely great to have. Uh, let's see. Deontay Johnson or Brandon cooks. That's a toss up. Eileen cooks. Any feel on that one, Nate? Eileen Johnson more long-term, but I also, at, this is a week two question. I don't remember <laughs> playing this week, so it depends on that. But they are very close together. We will get to that. Talked about Isaiah McKenzie. Would you drop Isaiah McKenzie, Nate, four guys like Jarvis Landry, Josh Palmer, Julio Jones? I think that's fair. I just wouldn't like drop him for – I wouldn't drop him for the uh, Curtis Samuels probably of the world or especially some of those other guys. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. Go ahead. I said I agree with you there. I love when you agree with me, Nate. It makes life so much easier. And Joey wants to know if he wants to drop Devontae Smith for Curtis Samuel. No, Devontae actually ran more routes than uh, A.J. Brown in that one. That's the thing. Like, in the, the, I think the game script involved just kind of made it so that Devontae couldn't go off. But, like, that's going to be squeezed. And maybe it's not. Maybe A.J. Brown does get, you know, 15 targets a game uh, into perpetuity. I'm, I'm, not, uh, I'm not against that reality playing out. But Devontae Smith should have better weeks. Devontae Smith is the perfect example of not overreacting to a bad week one box score when every all the utilization behind the scenes looks great. We still have a very talented player and a – good passing game like the fact that Jalen Hurts you know looked as good as he did I think should actually be better news uh, for Devontae Smith uh, managers just relative to him maybe putting together a good week one I know it doesn't make you feel better if you took that L and you know you got that goose egg from Devontae Smith but that's another one like just don't be panic cutting the guy just yet ZT, last one before we get to tight ends. Uh, Jarvis Landry, higher waiver priority than Jeff Wilson? I don't think so. I'd say the running backs, Jeff Wilson and Daryl Henderson, are superior than all these wide receivers. Do you agree with that, Nate? Oh, yeah. And, of course, it depends on your roster as well. If you are stacked at running back and are in desperate need for a wide receiver, then, yeah, go ahead and get Landry. But in an average fantasy football team right now, I could be getting Wilson. 
at tight end now, we don't need to go through quite as many because it's one of those positions where I realize we're just looking to stream one per week. We're able to get, you know, into the end zone last week with our recommended streamer, Gerald Everett. Didn't actually have the best uses, though. And I, I recommended Everett because Donald Parham was out with that hamstring injury, but the Chargers actually went ahead and used Trey McKitty on a bunch of these snaps and routes as well. So I think Everett will lead this group in targets and overall, you know, pass game production. Unfortunately, though, if he's not going to be getting that, you know, 70, 80 percent route run rate, which now he's, you know, getting close to that. But when uh, Donald Parham comes back, it's going to be a lot more iffy. Uh, Everett's just not someone that I feel quite as good about moving forward. Logan Thomas, we need to still kind of see his snaps get back to normal. They're easing him in coming off of the ACL. Makes sense, but they have John Bates there. And just it's a different Washington offense now. When he was going off in past years, it was Terry McLaurin and nobody else. Obviously, they now have a little bit more firepower to work with. So not loving Logan Thomas in the near term. David Njoku, someone that we've just all been waiting for to go the hell off. Well, Harrison Bryant is still going to be annoyingly involved in which Kobe Brissett under center. I am just cooling off on David Njoku a little bit. Taysom Hill doing his thing out there, 82, I think it was 92 yards. Like, dude, going off freaking on those direct snaps, much to the, uh, you know, tears and cries of fantasy managers. But, Nate, you're actually a much bigger fan of Jawan Johnson. And even though he didn't put together the big week one, he was the most used Saints tight end. Now, just one week, maybe they are going to keep doing this Taysom Hill thing and ramping up his inline play. But the Jawan Johnson, just beyond the box score numbers, really a lot better than, you know, everyone I just talked about in terms of Everett and Ajoku, uh, and even guys like O.J. Howard, who please, please don't chase those O.J. Howard touchdowns. Fair play to O.J. Howard, but all that tells me is that Brevin Jordan is not going to be a thing. Jawan Johnson, Nate, in deeper leagues, he's free, and he might actually be able to give us something down the road. Yeah, he was running roughly the same amount of routes as all of their wide receivers were running. He was right there with them, so he was always on the field in passing situations. Taysom Hill, basically all of his production as a runner, so um, Hill isn't really that much of a threat to Johnson's production. So um, we're talking about a lot of guys, a lot of tight ends who um, aren't on the field as much as we would like to see in passing situations, but he is on the field in a team that likes to pass and definitely could have some red zone production throughout the year as well. So um, deeper leagues, definitely happy to pick him up. And in some of the lighter leagues, if you only have one tight end on the roster, probably don't need him. But if you have a question at tight end and need a second guy, he's someone I'd at least consider. YouTube banner switch. It's the sleeper of the day powered by sleeper. That was hot. All right. Tyler Higby is going to be our recommended tight end stream of the week. Still available in 50.2 or he's owned at 50.2% of the leagues. You guys get it tied for the league lead and targets among tight ends with nine. We've seen him put together these big weeks, Nate. And yeah, down Robinson game. That was horrendous. And I guess we just really assumed that a Rob was going to be the undisputed number two in this offense. But when we don't have Allen Robinson, when Van Jefferson is banged up, I don't think it's impossible for Higby to be the number two and probably more likely number three, but either way, man, like this, we're talking about a top three option and an offensive Matt Stafford. That's going to look better throwing the football in future weeks. when We're not playing the buzzsaw. That is that Buffalo bills defense. Tyler Higby, someone where in 2019, you know, we all thought after, after he had those great final five games of the year that he was going to be just this world beater. Might have even been 2020. I'm getting my years mixed up now. But thought he was going to be this world beater. And no, he really wasn't last year. But Nate, this is still year after year after year. A touchdown dependent, like upside tight end too. You can do a lot worse than someone that is not leaving the field with an offense, again, being run by Sean McVay. Yeah, he's just like consistently been like tight end 13, tight end 14 over long stretches of time these past couple of years. So not someone you always want in your starting lineup, but he's definitely a lot better than a number of other options you can do at tight end. So 
even if you don't want him as your starter. If you're in a league where some teams have a backup tight end on the roster. He needs to be on the roster. Also, I want to note that Robert Tunyon, 19.4% ownership across Earth Smith, 47.6%, and also Hayden Hurst at 19.6%. Out of these guys, Nate, just for week two only, between Hurst, Tunyon, and Irv Smith, I almost feel like we got to get the nod to Hayden Hurst here. Uh, yeah, definitely. Both Tanyan and Smith, we saw them use very limited in their games because they are both coming back from injury. Um, the Vikings coach has already come out and said that Irv Smith's usage was because he's just coming back and he should see more playing time as the year goes on. But I still wouldn't want to put him in for week two just because you don't know exactly what you're getting. He was at least in on third downs and 11 personnel. So the most important plays he was in for, but just not enough volume to trust him. So Hurst is the one of the three that I know will see the volume in week two. I just feel like if the guy's actively being limited in your game plan because of an injury, he should probably be on the final injury report. I, I don't know. It's, it is what it is. Can't trust Irv Smith for right now. I do think, you know, by week four or so, we should be good. We'll let you guys know the second that he is good to go. With Robert Tunyon, similar situation as Logan Thomas, just being brought back along. With Robert Tunyon, though, I don't think we have the same necessarily upside for him, you know, having this 90 to 100% uh, snap rate and uh, obviously going alongside with that, the route rate. Even even last year, after Robert Tunyon had freaking more touchdowns and incomplete targets thrown his way, he was struggling to, you know, play like even more than 50% of the snaps during any given week. Just what, you know, LaFleur and that offense likes to do is what we saw with Hackett and Denver rotating all those tight ends. And that's what we saw in Chicago a little bit with Ryan Griffin taking a lot away from Cole Komet. So don't hate the tight end, hate the coaching staff that refuses to, you know, put him out there on the field all the time. So number one tight end we're rolling with this week off the waiver wire is going to be Tyler Higby. Also, interested in Hayden Hurst beyond him Robert Tunyon Irv Smith and lesser extent Irv um, Logan Thomas those are guys that they're hurt right now we don't really want to play them but in a couple weeks they really could be someone that we're interested in so you know really tight end needy rosters can look to those guys Gerald Everett David Njoku Taysom Hill OJ Howard not loving playing them I'm not going to be you know absolutely shooting them up the ranks this week and if you really want to get quirky here throw Juwan Johnson in that mix uh, with some of those other guys but again virtually free at the moment I don't think you need to go too far out of your way guys Nate's got five to cut and five to buy low on coming up next before then though want to get a few of these ad reads out of the way and want to know first and foremost that PFF now has an app me Nate, Kevin Cole, we're updating our fantasy ranks throughout the entire week, and we do it with PFF Plus, our lovely new app. Go download PFF, get all of our fantasy football advice, our rankings, betting dashboards, football analysis. Our our new start sit tool is great. It's real simple. I rank a player at a certain spot. Nate ranks a player at a certain spot. Kevin ranks a player at a certain spot. Handy, dandy, science shit going on in the app. You put in your start sit question that tells you exactly where we are relative to that question. So I think I saw from one of our developers, you know, we had like two or 3000, you know, just instances of people going into start sit tool. And as much as I want to be here for you guys, and I am PFF fantasy football group, check it out. I got it on my Twitter. Like I'm going in every Thursday night, every Sunday morning, trying to answer questions for a good 20, 30 minutes, but I can't get to them all. And at the end of the day, when I'm answering your start sit questions, just like Nathan, we're looking at our ranks. So the easiest way to actually get that, should you have a start sick question go get the pff app why not great day to be great 
Also want to note the NFL's opening week was action-packed and it's just getting started. Get ready for week two of touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. Want more action? Everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings early win promotion. It's simple. This Sunday, bet on any NFL team to win, and if your team leads by 10 points at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code PFF to get two hundred dollars in free bets instantly when you place a five dollar bet on any football game that's code pff only at DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nfl minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply see description for details also our newest partner is revolutionizing the world of sports betting and fan engagement by making sports fandom profitable that company is symbol the stock market for sports symbol is a pff sponsor last year and they are back for this football season symbol lets you trade pro and college teams like stocks and even earn cash dividend payouts when your teams win symbol took a throw of sports betting and combined it with the profitability of the stock market to give you a platform where fortune favors the fam download the symbol mobile app for ios by searching sim B-U-L-L in the App Store and use code Ian, I-A-N, to receive a free team stock value up to $150 upon signing up. The PFF team is even getting in the symbol market themselves this season. Create a free account, enter code Ian to get a free stock value up to $150 and compete against the PFF Forecast podcast this season on Symbol. Everyone, if you still got some waiver wire questions, let us know. We'll be winding down here in the next five, 10 minutes. Again, appreciate this. We'll be back every single Tuesday at this time. So if you got a question next week, just come back and let us know. Nate and I will still be here. Nate, I've been reading mostly throughout this uh, podcast, you know, your week one waiver wire targets, but you had another article go up today because you have like 30 articles go up a week. You're a freaking grinder, man. But five to add, five to drop, five to buy low, five to sell high on. going to talk about two of those topics here. You're five to cut. Tyler Algier, Mike Davis, Jalen Tolbert, Matt Ryan, Mike Jasicki. I feel like those should be common sense, but yeah, can't get behind them. And even like Tolbert at this point, man, just come on, Cowboys. You couldn't do anything. I'm not, I'm not saying they had to go get Will Fuller as much as, you know, I'm taking the L on that and I get it. Like couldn't do that. But what was the point of letting Cedric Wilson walk for like, not that much at this point. Uh, who can't like beyond in this Cowboys offense right now, Nate, there's Dalton Schultz. Who's probably more of a low end tight end one. Now there's CD lamb who we're going to have to bump down low end wide receiver two range, but just, he's still going to have the volume. Zeke and Pollard are pretty close, but anything other than that, man, these guys don't even deserve roster spots. And to your point, yes, cut Jalen Tolbert. Uh, yeah, I completely agree with you. They don't have that much depth, that wide receiver. Noah Brown did do a little bit, which helped me in a couple of DFS lineups. So I appreciate that, but you still don't want him on your fantasy rosters just because eventually some of the wide receivers will get healthy again. Michael Gallup will get there and it'll be a struggle with the quarterback situation whenever Gallup's back. But awesome. Yeah. Dallas. Some guys to buy low on Alvin Kamara didn't have the great week one, but again, looking at some of Nate's handy dandy running back uses charts, you can see that he still really was a feature back throughout the game. A little fluky with Mark Ingram being, you know, more so involved, but I think this was just a game where, yeah, Kamara didn't have a great game. He's not going to be able to have 17 of them throughout the season. You know, the man is not a god as much as we might want him to be when we use a first round pick on the guy. So don't be afraid to get Alvin Kamara. The real interesting one for me, Nate, because people still understand it's Alvin Kamara, but Chase Edmonds is someone that does not have Alvin Kamara's, you know, reputation attached to him, just years and years of high-end fantasy production. And, you know, talking to Dwayne Sunday night, like I called Edmonds usage, like 
Eckler-esque, and it really was, man. Maybe not week one, Eckler-esque. Uh, that was a little bit unfortunate. Sorry, bro. But looking at week one, man, Chase Edmonds had 35 of the 60 running back snaps for the Dolphins, had 24 early down snaps. Raheem Moster had 16. Like, just getting Edmonds the lead on early downs was huge because then he predictably dominated third downs in obvious pass-first situations. So Chase Edmonds, Nate, no, he didn't find the end zone. No, he you know, wasn't overly efficient out there. But this Dolphins offense, number two on the week in pre-snap motion and shifts, which I thought was just a good sign that Mike McDaniel, you know, is bringing over a lot of those same principles from the 49ers who led the league in that last year. But Chase Edmonds is someone where his usage tells us, like at this point, borderline RB1. Let's go ahead and try to get him before his production starts matching that. Uh, yeah, I moved him in my top 20 or so in my rest of season rankings. Uh, he had some of the short yardage work and he has some been someone throughout his career where he hasn't been the most efficient running back, but he's been one of the ones that can break a long run more frequently than most running backs. So he wasn't able to do it in this game, but there will be games where he'll get that volume and he'll also break a long run to go along with it. So that'll be a huge first fantasy production in those games. So I think what we saw this week was kind of the floor of what we'll see for him going forward. Two wide receivers are down the by low on DJ Moore and Adam Thielen, both running around on 100% of their team's respective off dropbacks. Now, Robbie went off for the Panthers and Justin Jefferson went off for the Vikings. But now this is another situation, Nate, where like we're not panicking over the box score when all the underlying usage still tells us that these are guys that's going to be tough to have ranked outside the top 24, maybe top 30 in Thielen's case throughout the season. Exactly. And in Carolina, they really didn't run that many plays in that game, weren't doing much in terms of time of possession either. So I expect them to be running a lot more plays more with second in targets. I expect them to be first in targets, but they were very clearly trying to get the ball to their top three players. And they had the two deep passes, one for like 75 yards, uh, one to Ian Thomas for 50 yards. So more will be getting those deep plays more often than not in the future. So he'll have much bigger games than he had this week. Finally, tight end Dawson Knox with the Bills. Just one catch for five yards. I know everyone's going off on the Bills except Dawson Knox. The first game of the season, you're pretty bummed about that. But don't forget that contract he got just before week one started. And, Nate, he was on the field for 50 of the team's 58 offensive plays. We said Tyler Higby, like mainstreamer. And, again, that's based on percentages, everyone. Unfortunately, as much as I would love – okay, maybe I wouldn't love it, but – if I could go through every single one of your guys' waiver wires, like, you know, that'd be a different story. So we're trying to, you know, play uh, the averages and most of the masses here. But with Dawson Knox, Nate, like, he's absolutely, to me, ahead of Higby, still someone that I'm treating as a consensus top nine, top 10 tight end at the absolute lowest. And this usage, man, just remember, like, one of our concerns with Dawson Knox was maybe OJ Howard was going to seep into some of his uses in the offseason. Obviously, now OJ's doing his thing, taking over the entire city of Houston. But Dawson Knox, again, another example where don't sweat the bad week one box score because the utilization was great. Uh, yeah, he last year was top 20 in targets, but number one in touchdowns. We know he's going to be a low-volume, high-touchdown tight end. And this was just one of the games where he didn't score the touchdown. The other three wide receivers all got their touchdowns. So um, that'll change who else getting touchdowns each week. And they did leave him in to run or pass block a bit more frequently than they typically do. A Rams great pass rush. So kind of understandable in that matchup. But I don't think he'll be staying into block as much in future weeks, which will lead to more routes and more targets and more yards and hopefully a touchdown couple questions before we get out of here from joe saviano thoughts on evan ingram nate you dropping evan ingram for gerald everett that's pretty close to me i'd probably still stick it out with the guy catching passes from herbert uh yeah i think i agree with you just because of the offense is better higher chances of scoring a touchdown 
dropping Amari Cooper for Curtis Samuel or Robbie Anderson. No, I'm not going that far. Again, if you didn't watch the game, this was kind of one of the earlier things I was saying, but Cooper legit like could have, I don't want to say he could have had three touchdowns because it's, that's just part of the Jacoby Brissett experience. We can't exactly expect pinpoint passing throughout the throughout the day, but he he looked awesome. Like if you guys thought the Cowboys traded him because of like a complete fall off in his ability to separate and just be a pristine route runner, like no, that is still very much there. So for me, Samuel and Robbie, like they're guys that probably aren't going to be really cracking even the top forty eight just yet. They're like kind of boomer bust wide receiver five types, which is good. That's a lot higher than they were being drafted to be. That's why they are still recommended ads but cooper even if he's not you know the wide receiver one wide receiver two that we've been you know flirting with over the years i still think he can uh, you know emerge as worst case a low-end wide receiver three either way you know ahead of those guys nate would you cut damian pierce for james robinson that's a juicy one i think so since i think i have a hard time seeing pierce having like i could see him having the early down roll but in houston that's still a ton of passing where i don't think pierce will see the field this season since they haven't tried him in the preseason didn't use him there at all in week one and I don't see they like Rex Burkett too much where Robinson yeah it's a two-player time split but I think Robinson will still be seeing plenty of time and I think Jacksonville's offense will be better this year which will mean more chances for touchdowns for Robinson. Robinson already owned in a lot of leagues but where would you rank Robinson Nate if he is on the waiver wire versus Henderson and Wilson? Um, I think I'd still leave Henderson at the top, but I think I'd put Robinson above Wilson. That's what I'm thinking. As much as Wilson is the RB in San Fran, like Debo is too. And we have Trey Lance doing that thing. So it is more of a committee than just the RB one. James Robinson, if he's there, only running back we take ahead of him is Daryl Henderson. Josh Palmer versus Jalen Warren. Do someone needs RBs? I want hero RB. If you want hero RB, man, this is your chance. Go get Jalen Warren. Could legit give you a start. When, when Mike Tomlin tells us like to chill out on Najee, like my opinion on that, even if Najee's could be listed as questionable, as things stand right now, not having seen practice participation, it seems like Najee's going to need to do a lot this week in order to be able to suit up. Sunday, Mike Tomlin seems to understand that. Is Gus Edwards a sneaky IR stash until he returns? Yeah, I mean, especially if you just don't have anyone in your IR spot at the moment. So that's a sharp move right there. Don't be afraid, you know, just briefly cut a defense, get Gus, put him in the IR, and then, like, you know, sign that group or sign another streamer that you're planning on getting anyway. Cortland Sutton dropped. No, come on, guys. We're not dropping Cortland Sutton. Stop it, Washington. You, you asked a really good question before, man. Now you're saying dropping Cortland Sutton. Get out of here. And from Jay Buck, benching Elijah Moore for Cort- Curtis Samuel. No, not quite. Elijah Moore had a touchdown, just got nullified with a very fair push off, but still very much look good. Joe Flacco throwing like 59 passes out there. Eli's going to have uh, better games out there. Garrett Wilson looked uh, pretty good too, just in his few reps. Unfortunately, too much Braxton Barrios to truly get behind there, but still pretty good. All right, everyone, quickly wrapping things up for a final time. Top quarterback ad of the week is going to be Carson Wentz for us. He's got a great matchup coming up against the Lions. Also consider Justin Fields and Jameis Winston. At running back, Daryl Henderson, the number one waiver wire ad of the week, and that also applies to any other position. If you can go get Daryl Henderson, go get Daryl Henderson. If James Robinson is available, just because we mentioned him, he'd be after Henderson. If he's not, we're looking at Jeff Wilson. After them, tier drop-off, but Damian Williams, Jalen Warren, and Rex Burkhead, all very viable. Khalil Herbert, Kenneth Gamble, Jamal Williams, also not bad guys to add. We are not worrying about Isaiah Pacheco, Kenyon Drake, or Dontrell Hilliard. 
at wide receiver. Jarvis Landry, we believe, gives us the best season-long stretch, albeit Josh Palmer, Julio Jones, they do have the potential for if you just need a guy for week two, they could actually be your better picks. Lesser extents, Jahan Dotson, Robbie Anderson, Curtis Samuel, and Jacoby Myers, all good guys to help fortify that bench. Kyle Phillips, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs. If you want to bet on the rookie for a couple weeks and just see that role expand, that's okay. Don't go super far out of your way for those guys, but those are the more distant waiver wire ads. Not too worried about Sterling Shepard, Zay Jones, DJ Chark, Juwan Jennings, Devin Duvernay, Corey Davis, DPJ, Noah Brown, or Greg Dorch. And at tight end, Tyler Higby, our number one streamer of the week. If someone, God, man, imagine being in a league where someone drops Dawson Knox. Go go get that guy and then go make fun of the owner if that happens. But if you're in a normal league, Tyler Higby could be your guy. Robert Tunyon, Hayden Hurst, Irv Smith, Logan Thomas, other potential ads. We didn't love the usage from Gerald Everett, David Njoku. Still guys that, you know, I'm saying not saying you can't ever start, but they are going to be at least outside the top 12 this week. Jawan Johnson, nice late addition, and do not go chasing those O.J. Howard touchdowns. Great stuff, Nate. Again, we'll be back each and every Tuesday throughout the season breaking this down. Anything else you want to get off your chest, my friend? I don't think so. Just go to uh, PFF, and we have everything that you'll need for the rest of the week as well. Start Sit. I know you'll have the podcast coming up, too, with Start Sit. So um, once you get your waiver wire ads, we will get you all the way ready for week two, which looks like it'll be another great week of NFL football. At PFF underscore Nate Yonke on Twitter. Again, can't stress enough. Like all this, you guys are listening to us. You clearly care about, you know, utilization and some of the stuff that goes beyond the box score and no one gets it to you faster than good old Nate does. Always grinding that. On PFF.com for me, you can check out my sheesh report. Going to have that out after Monday Night Football every single week. Quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end breakdowns, you know, going out on Wednesday and Thursday. My DFS mismatch manifesto on Friday. And don't forget about the injuries there. So we've now completed like the actual full week of uh, the PF new new look PFF fantasy football podcast. So we're having waivers on Tuesday, uh, a little bit later today. I'm going to record my quarterback and running back solo breakdowns, just trying to get you guys that information in a more digestible 15, 30 minutes as, as great as, you know, the two and a half hour team previews were last year, just trying to, you know, make things a little bit easier there. Wide receiver tight end coming out on Thursday. And then also on Friday, I'll be back here with Nick body for talking about injuries. And don't forget Kevin Cole on Thursday as well, talking some matchups and just, just some other random shit. Kevin and I ended up talking about Skylar Thompson for like 10 minutes last time. It's just, that's what happens when you get Kevin Cole on the squad Sunday night, uh, back here with Dwayne McFarland reviewing every game that just went down. So truly thank you all for tuning in. We'll see you again next week. It's always a great day. It'd be great until next time. Take care. Everybody. Thank you.